Welcome to the range, everybody. I'm Ricky Bruley, and not joining me today is my sidekick, Hollywood. As you can see, I've got my mule deer buddy here joining me, filling in for him. We are so busy here at Vapor Trail that unfortunately he was unable to get away from the day-to-day -day operations to come and record. Thank you all for joining us. You can find the video version of this episode on our Vapor Trail YouTube channel, so please head on over and subscribe. Give us a like and hit that bell so you can be sure to uh, be notified of uh, everything that the range uh, has to talk about. So this is our little segment that we like to call shiny objects, where we talk about what is currently grabbing our attention. What is that shiny object in our lives at this moment? Could be a new piece of gear, a good new read, a song, an upcoming hunting trip, or even just a feeling. So what is your current shiny object? Let us know, and we'll send you a little gift. We'd love to share it with the range listeners. You can shoot me an email at rick at vaportrailarchery.com. Let me know what your shiny object is. So last week, we spoke with Bigfoot, a.k.a. Ben Gatormson. He is a good friend of ours. He's a very accomplished bow hunter, and he's a Western Territory rep for OutTech, a marketing and sales rep group. Last week, Ben spoke of his shiny object, and he has very exciting news about that. So we decided to have him on again today to talk about it more in detail. Welcome to the Range Podcast. I'm Ricky Bruley, and with me is Jake Hollywood Iverson. Join us at the Archery Range, where we'll tell stories from the hunt, discuss technical bow shooting tactics and gear, and pick the brains of some of the most successful people to ever shoot a bow. Whether you're about to shoot that X for the win or send an arrow at a trophy buck, this podcast is for you. The Range Podcast is brought to you by Vapor Trail Archery, makers of the best bowstrings money can buy, originators of limb-driven arrow rest technology, and innovators of stokerized stabilizer systems. So Ben, I don't know if you're familiar with this segment of the Range Podcast. It's, it's one that we like to call shiny objects. And in this segment, we basically just like to chat quickly about what our current obsession is what's what's the current shiny object in front of your face so yeah man what is your uh what's your current shiny object right now and my shiny object right now is probably antelope season that opens on the 15th there you go yeah yeah can, can we say that for western hunters absolutely that that hunt some of these western states the, the 15th you know and it's like the kickoff mm -hmm. yep. the kickoff for the season and it's the first tag to go live, and uh, I can I can say antelope hunting taught me a lot about being patient, mm -hmm. a lot about being, you know, being when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive, and the the recipe that it takes to be successful as a spot stock hunter. Mm -hmm. I can probably say antelope is the species that has taught me the most of any species out there. Really? Wow. Okay. Because, and I'll tell you why. Because you can hunt them from sun up to sundown. There is no evening to wait for or morning only activity. Mm -hmm. They are on their feet, on and off all day. If you can find one, you can probably screw up a stock on one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, and, and there's a, you know, some guys say there's a ratio to, to success, and it's like you got to stalk 15 times before you get one within bow range. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, I like to eat antelope more than anything else. And what I've found is that if I put my time in before the season opens Mm -hmm. and have a pattern down, they're like a whitetail on opening day of archery. Mm -hmm. They're hitting food. They're hitting water. They're very predictable. So antelope have taught me a ton, and they've frustrated me a ton more. (laughs) And now I hunt them out of a blind because I like to eat them, and I want to fill my (laughs) bag. There you go. See, I did the same thing with turkeys and I started using a gun just because I was like, I can't, you know, I like to eat turkey and I want to have one every single year, you know, but now of course then this year I did end up going back to the bow and taking one with a bow with a, with a push from Nathy. But, uh, but yeah, no, man, that's cool. So you're, when do you, I think I remember when we were talking, so you, you start on Tuesday or you're headed out Tuesday. Today is Wednesday. I start Tuesday next week. Okay. Nice. Are you in Washington yet? Yep. So, folks, this conversation started with Ben in Oregon, <laughs> and now he's in Washington. And then you're going to travel around for the next couple of days, and then you're back home Monday, and then you head out Tuesday. Yep. Just get some last touches in with a couple of accounts. Um it's, it's, a, it's a new new part of my territory for me this year, and I've got a lot of relationships over here from working for previous manufacturers and stuff, but it never never hurts to just poke, poke your face in, say hello, and, you know? Mm, dang right. Yeah. And they, they don't expect to see you. I try not to take any time. Just wanted to, you know, when they, when they see you in person, it's different than on the phone. Mm, so mm-hmm. Right. And and just for the listeners, uh, so you are a territory rep for OutTech. Yeah, regional manager. Um, there's a bunch of things you could you could call me, I guess. But yeah, so I I cover multiple states for a, a sales and service or sales and marketing agency. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that's pretty sweet. I I've wanted to do antelope for the longest time and maybe I will when I'm out west in a few weeks maybe if I get an itch because the private land we are going to I guess they have some mm. uh on their ranch and they don't touch them so there you go I mean it's another couple hundred dollars but as long as it's still over the counter I mean whatever yeah. a couple hundred versus a thousand it'd be kind of cool to try it but right for sure. yeah that's and I, I know it's antelope season too, Ben, because uh, right now the amount of emails and phone calls I've had that says, I'm going on my antelope hunt next week. <laughs> I need my strings. It's unreal. Yep. Like, there's, there's plenty plenty of plenty of business you, right now. I mean, the, the, the shops are super busy and everything else. So. Yeah, it, it, it's, it never fails every single year. We'll push, you know, March, you know, heavily for mm-hmm. everyone to get their strings and everything you know, in check then, uh, cause you know, it's slower for everyone mm-hmm. and it, it never fails. I know there's a couple guys I'm dealing with that. Yep. I'm antelope hunting, you know, in two weeks. I'm like, mm. okay, well you had seven months. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's coming up quick. I'm excited though. Cause it's, it's weird saying already that in a few weeks I'll be heading out and starting to do some scouting and hunting out there. So I, I'm, uh, I'm ready. I'll be ready 
even more when it gets to be the time there because uh, mm. busy season will be kicking us left, right, and center. So Right. And I imagine I'm guessing that segues right into your shiny object. I mean, uh, you've already been touching on it a little bit. But. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I, I'd say, I don't know. I, I'm going to try and. I could try and pick a new one, but I mean, honestly, that I think the fun part of me now being in my house is uh, figuring out what I'm gonna do for uh, goodbye, Ben. Uh, <laughs> bye bye. Completely gone. Uh, he's like, screw these guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I'd say for the uh, me, it'd be the house, just because now I'm like, I don't know, I'm I'm not like OCD, but I'm like big fan of like the organizing things. So I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh. I got two pieces of pegboard up, so in like the garage. I'm like, ooh, what should go there? What should go there? So now I'm just like, welcome back. <laughs> He's back. Sorry, guys. No worries. All good. I, I'm just uh, talking. My shiny object, I think, right now is just every day when I leave work, uh, since I'm in I, our house now, uh, is going home and just figuring out how to organize the garage and the shed and where to put the archery equipment because <laughs> setting up your little shop there yep i'm mm-hmm. like okay i want to do some sort of workbench i want a bow press i want all these things but mm-hmm. it's hard for me because i uh part of my generation is i want it now yeah and so i'm just like i gotta wait i got cool down just a little bit but i'm prepping for all this stuff and i'm like yeah it'll be sweet once i finally have like a station to build arrows at home when i want when I leave here, separate work from play yep. mm-hmm. and then work on my own bow and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stoked to finally be a homeowner. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it's cool it's until awesome. something breaks is what I've heard. So, uh, I mean, yeah. as soon as we move. Welcome to the world of debt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah you, you know, and you're smart. You, I, I use, I always used to try to talk you into getting a credit card, you know, cause I, I remember you were saying, oh, it's really hard for me to afford all these tags. And it's like, well, get a. Yeah. And, and what I, I guess what I'm referring to is like the tags that you have to pay for up front, whether you get them or not. And so it's like, well, that's what credit cards are for. Right. Because then you can, you know, recover your money. But, uh, but either way you got a pretty good head on your shoulders when it comes to that. And you're, and yeah, just play it smart. And, and you know, when things, yeah, except for when things break, that does suck. But if you're smart about it and you got money set aside for that in case, then it's not that big a deal. No, it's not so stressful, you know, because it's it is unfortunate though that you know uh home appliances are not near as uh sturdy as they used to be i mean my ac unit is the original and my house was built in 1978 jeez and it granted it's a energy sucker you know what i mean my and my uh electric bill in the summer is insane because of the, diesel because <laughs> the ac but um it's still kicking you know and i don't there's no ac unit you buy now that's going to last you that long no, no way no it's but I don't know. I, I'll be I'll be learning a lot in the next couple of months. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, first first one I'm waiting for is the uh, uh, irrigation bill. You know the water bill because mm-hmm. I have in ground sprinklers mm-hmm. and the uh, previous owner was setting all those zones to a good chunk of time. And I'm like, oh my lord, I can't <laughs> wait to see this come through <laughs> <laughs> for grass. Got to make it look good if you're going to sell it, right? Oh yeah, I know. I could tell that's that's exactly what he was doing. Because yeah. now that I took the time down a little bit, yeah, the grass is turning a little bit. So now I'm like, damn it, <laughs> you know, trying nope. to play. Nobody's going to want to buy my house. My grass is all dead. I should say my creeping Charlie's all dead right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just spread some rye. You'll be good. <laughs> a lot of quack grass coming up now that we finally started to get some rain, but. 
Um, what is Rick's shiny object now? So mine is right now. So I've got a week off coming up here in the first week of September. I took that week off uh, with the hopes of drawing a bear tag in Minnesota, which I did not. So I'm just going to go and uh, kick it in the boundary waters for a week and just fish. And in retrospect, I wish I would have picked like maybe closer to the middle of the middle of September because then I could have brought my bow with me and oh. had a deer tag in my pocket and hunted ducks and done some of that stuff. But um, so now I'm going in too early where I can't do any of that. But I can still fish and whatever, just Man, run I, around and and be by myself for a week. <laughs> for those that uh, don't know us locally, uh, Rick and I, uh, we have a fairly heavy hand around here, and frick you for leaving, man. <laughs> One week and first week of September. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Come on, man. I know. No, which it's is all great. I've which, done it to you guys the last, like, three years, so yeah, I can't say it. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why um, I've never been antelope hunting either, because to go out in the middle of August, you know, and uh, yeah. be- being here for 17 years, it's like... August is just it's I I I would all I'd feel bad leaving you Mm -hmm. know I feel bad enough leaving in September but yeah mid-August and even then it you know back back then no way Steve was going to give me that time off if I was going to try to go on a hunt I'd be coming back to no job so (laughs) (laughs) around these parts PTO gets pretty slim in August and September end of September maybe a little easier but Mm -hmm. yeah it's well the last three years like I was saying I was on musky fishing trips so I can't yeah. say too much in the middle of August. So, right. I mean, payback. Mm, <laughs> for sure. We'll be right back. New for the 2023 archery season is our brand new online arrow customizer. Build your victory or eastern arrows with multiple vein options, configurations, and custom arrow wraps in a large array of designs and colors. Spine indexing and expedited build options are also available so you can get back out in the field and flinging in style. Check out the Vapor Trail Arrow Customizer at www.vaportrailarchery.com forward slash arrow customizer. Ben, what's up, man? You're back again in your home office. Appreciate you coming by. Uh, yeah. How are, you doing? No. how are you doing today? Good, man. Um, man, it's busy right now. I tell you, right? Both shops are busy, so right. It's, uh, it's it's good, but it just means that the season's close. You know. <laughs> right. Right. So, exactly. The next phase of the season, I guess, for me. So. Yeah, we're nuts here right now. It's just crazy, which is the reason why Hollywood isn't here, and I've got my mule deer cohort here on the show today uh i recognize him hey yeah he's uh (laughs) that's the the buck that we packed out on thanksgiving day yep yeah that was pretty crazy we talked a little bit about that one in the in the previous episode um but yeah that was that was a really cool memory i'll never forget that in fact one of the things we didn't talk about is that was a trip that we took with uh our buddy cal as well and we ended up uh, going three for three on that trip. Um, yeah. you shot yours first, uh, then Cal shot his and then I shot mine and it was, they were all within what it was like four or five days. I think we were out there. Yeah. I, I actually have that buck in the, in the room over here too. I should maybe at the end I'll grab him and, and come out. But I remember that, that buck specifically the one I shot, <clears throat> I, I was just dogging the herd, just following them. And 
Uh, that was the one where I, I crept up on him and he heard me coming and he, uh, he came back. He thought I was another buck. He was going to fight me. And yep. here I am full draw behind that, that badland mound. And mm -hmm. I shot him at like 18 yards. Yep. So that was pretty cool for sure. Yeah. And today I was going through photos and I, um, you had sent me some, uh, spotting scope photos of that buck. I'm pretty sure it's that buck, um, mm -hmm. previous to all that. So that's pretty cool. So we've got a bunch of, a bunch of content that we can, cool. um, show for that. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, you have some pretty exciting news, uh, regarding this week's shiny object. Uh, you had talked a little bit last week about, uh, how you were excited about, uh, the big opener, mm -hmm. Uh, for pronghorn antelope and uh, so why don't you uh, uh, spill the beans uh, for all the range listeners of that story no I uh, I was excited last week I think I was uh, I was on the road uh, when we when we filmed I think it was like the first week of uh, or just getting into the first or second week of uh, of August and the, the opener was the 15th and I was out on the west coast and you know made a trip home kind of regrouped got all my stuff and I'm a I'm a big proponent of whatever works best for, for antelope. Antelope are incredibly challenging to hunt, spot, and stalk. Anybody that's done it knows that. And I, they're one of my favorite animals to eat. So I will do whatever I need to, to, to kill. If it's sitting in a blind, I'll sit in a blind. If it's, you know, sit a fence crossing or, a, you know, an ambush location, I'll do that. And uh, this year we've had a really wet year. So I went and checked cameras um, and my cameras were, I mean, I'd have antelope, but the, it seems like the cattle rotations were all different this year because of how wet it had been. And mm -hmm. I wasn't getting antelope in my normal spots. And I've got, you know, half a dozen locations where I, I'm always checking. And, uh, so <clears throat> kind of threw the, the blind game out the window for me, but this year I was afforded a little bit more time. I didn't have to attend any fall market, uh, or spring market shows that are, that happen mm -hmm. in the fall. So. Okay. So I, I was able to take my time a little bit more and I had found one buck in particular during scouting this year that really I took a liking to and, and that, uh, that just so happens to be who I focused on. And, and after a couple of days, I actually was able to be successful. Um, That's awesome. I, it was like probably the funnest pronghorn hunt I've had for a number of years because it's always a busy time this time of year, but with, right. with no fall shows needed and I was able to maintain, you know, dealer needs and stuff like that through the first few days of the season, but I was able to, to get it done. And I, I did it, uh, um, just knowing the, knowing the, the train and kind of letting the animal teach his pattern and, you know, more observation than anything. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't blow any stocks on him. I did bump him once when I was just kind of walking through the ground that I, he frequented trying to learn it. Um, there was a, you know, about a mile and a half long fence that I, I walked the entire length of that fence to check for specific antelope crossings. And I found that crossing that he frequented. And, and then I found another one that, that he used and I saw him use that one. I set some cameras up and then, after a couple of days and you know, a couple of frustrating situations I had, you know, this buck was pretty visible by the road and he came in and, and was just like to be right off the road. There was some water, there was good green lush stuff that he could eat. Mm -hmm. And that was his like favorite spot, but it was very visible. So other hunters came into play a couple of times. I had a, 
couple guys kind of move in when I was, you know, sitting on him, waiting for him to make a mistake, which is kind of my style. I let the animal make a mistake instead of me forcing a mistake that I make. Right. And yeah. uh, they blew him out of the country. And I was like, oh, I hope he comes back. And it would take me, you know, sometimes all day, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours to find him again. But he always he ended up turning up in the, the same general vicinity every time he got blew out. And he get he get mm. I had him blown out three different times by three different uh, situations with other hunters moving in, just kind of trying to get something to stick, trying to get lucky, whatever you want to call it. And uh, but what it did is it showed me his pattern. And mm -hmm. ultimately, I capitalized on that pattern. And he's uh, he's a he's a pretty good buck for for Montana for what we see up here. Um, I, I killed one several years ago, I don't know, probably six or seven years ago in the same area that was also very big. And mm -hmm. um, it actually is a spitting image of that buck. Oh, really? Um, very big prongs. Um, and I'll, I'll have to share, share photos of that buck too. And yeah, less than a, a mile as the crow flies and they, they, they crossed some of the same ground. Like they, okay. they inhabited some of the same ground. And I hunted that buck until the day before uh, the firearm season for antelope opened, which is like the, the first weekend in October, usually in Montana. Okay. I killed him that afternoon, the day before. <laughs> so, and that buck, I, I did a shoulder mount. He, you know, rough score, just over 80 inches, like 80 wow. and seven eighths or 81. And this wow. buck is very, very close to that. Very similar in, in its characteristics. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but I'll make sure that you have a, a couple picks that you can kind of share and kind of show these two, these two bucks. It's actually the, that was pre beard too. So oh. I had no beard in, in those photos. So you'll be able to <laughs> like show me with no beard. So, so uh, I, I saw the, I saw the picks cause you know, I knew you had been out there for roughly a week or so, or had been a week since you had gone out. And I thought, all right, well, I was going to, I wanted to check in and see how it was going. Mm -hmm. And. And you were like, yeah, I'm still working on it. You know, hopefully, you know, get it done soon. And then it was the next day I got a picture of his balls. So um, <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic photo from you. But then, you know, it wasn't long after that you sent me the hero shot. So, yeah, I, I'm not the best judge of, of size. But, you know, to me and based on, you know, looking at some of the other antelope that you've shot, I, I knew he was a he was a good one. So. No, man, I was, I was stoked, you know, to be able to put it in and kind of have a storyline to it. I mean, I, I hunted almost every day, but you know, I had work, I've got work obligations and stuff and, mm -hmm. and I'm able to, you know, to keep up with my work stuff. So it wasn't like at any given moment, I, I waited for him to be in a position, waited to, to tell me what he normally wanted to do before mm -hmm. I kind of moved in and, and, and made it happen. You know, let, let, uh, let kind of everything kind of play out more than try to force anything. Cause I think these animals, their instincts, their, their defenses are, you know, you, you're going to get lucky. You put 10 stocks on, you're going to have one where you might be able to get your bow drawn back, get the range, get everything worked out. And then you still got to make the shot. And a lot of times it's a long shot, but I right. shot this buck 31 yards. You know, That's he came awesome. through a fence. I've got video of his does coming through the fence too. I took some video on my phone, mm -hmm. so I'll send that to you. So you, yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool little little deal, and I mean to me that's what that's what it's about the story, man. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, 
in a perfect world, you walk over a ridge, he's standing there head down behind a bush and you just shoot him. And, and it's mm -hmm. the first time you've seen him or interacted with that animal. And, and I can say, I saw this animal over a month before I, I was able to hunt him. And then yeah. I put together his pattern and then I exercised that pattern against him mm -hmm. and was able to capitalize on it. And, um, it's, uh, that's to me, I mean, the pursuit is what it's about. You know, it all ends at the, at the, at the harvest, you know, the kill, right. whatever you would call it. Um, but it's bittersweet, but at the same time, it's like when you put in the work and you, you've gone the distance with the animal and, you know, you, you, you do that. It's, it's fun. You know, public land hunting, man, there's other hunters, there's other people out there and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I mean, I had some guys kind of come over the top of me two days in a row and it was, it was, uh, it was frustrating, but at the same time, it's what exposed the pattern to me. Right. Like, yeah. He ran up. I couldn't find him for, you know, half the day. And then five, 6 PM, he'd pop up. I'm like, he's in the same spot <laughs> and he's going to come back the same way and probably use that same crossing. I mean, I walked a mile of fence. I found two major crossings and antelope are just like, you know, a white tail. They're habitual. They, they do the same thing. You know, they don't migrate or roam near as bad as, as, as animals like elk. Elk will travel drainage after drainage after drainage covering ground. And, and whitetails will too when the rut really gets going. But for the most part, they kind of stick to what they know. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've seen that a few times, you know, out in the Western Plains where we, we've, you know, chased a group of mule deer around in circles and circles and circles. You know, they just kind of mm -hmm. keep coming the does just kind of keep going back around. They want to stick to that core area. And then the, you know, of course the bucks aren't going to go anywhere. They're going to, they're going to stay right with them. Yep. So, uh, but you know, mm -hmm. speaking of, so last week we, you had talked about, you had made a really good point about, you know, people trying to be YouTube stars and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know particularly that that's the case in this area, but then you also had mentioned, you know, um, do things out in the field, like, you know, in a way that you want it, you, you know, be respectful of other hunters. Uh, yeah. you know, don't, don't let all those other things get in the way of, of being a, uh, an upstanding hunter in the community. And mm -hmm. so, you know, maybe you don't have to get super into detail, but I'm just curious about these guys that kind of went over the top of you, you know, what kind of, what was the situation or what, what was going on there? So, <clears throat> I mean, it's a public road. There's public land on both sides of the road. It's a mix of BLM, BMA, and uh, state property. And uh, BMA, for those that don't know, that's a block management area in Montana. So basically you sign in, you can hunt private property. And anybody can do it, depending on mm -hmm. the type of BMA it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm I'm a early morning guy. I got up real early almost every day, got out. And that's when these animals are on their feet. They're the most active in the low, low light angles give you the best visibility. I mean, they, they pop in the mornings and the evenings mm -hmm. because the, the way that the light reflects off the antelope are a bright animal, they're white and tan and they're out in the, you know, sage country or, or, you know, grass or willows, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's wide open. And so, you know, the, the one day I did communicate with, with these couple guys, I said, Hey, you know, I'm gonna, yeah, you know, they, they pulled up on the road while I'm glassing this buck. You know, he's, he's a ways off the road and they're like, Oh, are you going to go after him? And I said, Oh yeah, sure. And that was it. They didn't stop to chat anymore. They were like, Oh, okay. And then they mm -hmm. motored down the road and I, you know, obviously 
he can see where I'm standing or my truck is on the road. So I got up mm-hmm. over the rise. And I'm like, well, kind of forces my hand. I'm, I'm, I try to be as lo- less impactful as possible with, with, mm-hmm. you know, animals I'm trying to hunt because I want them to remain in their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. They're less on alert. And, uh, after I said that, these guys kind of went in and tried to, you know, they, they were, they were dropping in. And I did later, I talked to these guys. I was, I was pretty frustrated when I talked to him the second day and he said, well, you know, it was just in, in case they ran up that way or something. And I'm like, I get it. You know, we're all out to try to fill our tags and stuff like that, but still you gotta, I mean, we're bow hunters and bow hunting, you, you force it, you lose and very, yeah. very seldom is forcing it work. Mm-hmm. And that works with rifle. And, and I think we were discussing before you started recording, but a rifle hunt, you come over a hill and animals at 300 yards, it's click, boom, you're done. Right. That's the hunt is over. And that's mm-hmm. where the bow hunt starts. And I think it's important to, to be able to put yourself in the, in the shoes of the other person. I mean, I've had it happen in basins for elk. I've had it happen in the prairie for antelope. I've had it happen in, in mule deer country, everything. And, you know, just you got to give, give a bigger bubble, give more space. You know, um, the guys that are successful typically will put the time in on every stock that are consistently killing like a four hour stock on an antelope is not mm-hmm. unheard of for, for right. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, these guys want to hurry up and get to the next one before they're even finished with the one they're on. And, and that seems to never, never come out, you know, in a, in, in a positive light because you're, you know, the defenses that these animals have are all working against you. They're, they're evolved over thousands of years and they, they pick up movement. I mean, there's, right. I'm not sure the exact amount, but I think pronghorn have like a 30 degree blind spot behind their head and that's it. The way their mm-hmm. eyes protrude out the side of their, their heads. Right. And I mean, how lucky do you have to be out of 360 degrees to, to land in that spot when you pop up and draw your bow and everything else. So. Right. Um, and they only have to turn their head a slight degree to cover that area. Yeah. So exactly. So, but no, man, I mean, cherish the hunt for what it is and, and enjoy it for, for, for the experience. And, you know, we all want to be successful, but you know, make sure you put yourself in the other person's shoes when you're decision-making, you know, I mean, if a car's pulled over, you don't have no clue where that guy is on, on right. a road where, where you see some, some deer, some elk, some antelope, whatever it is, if that's the case, it seems like the closer to the road you stay, the more you get these people that are willing to just kind of, you know, fly by night and go over the top of you and stuff. And, but that's a positive to getting back or, or glassing areas you can't see from the road. And, mm-hmm. and the further back you get, the more, the more opportunity to get a, a quality stock in without disruption is mm-hmm. I feel like. Right. And yeah, and we kind of talked about it a little bit before too, is, you know, it's part of the challenge of hunting on public land. Yeah. You know, but it's it, so as much as I hate the saying it, you know, it kind of, it is what it is, but at the same time, again, I think it's important to get that message out to me. It speaks to, you know, inexperience probably, uh, but maybe not. I don't know. You know, maybe these guys are, like you said, not seeing many opportunities and trying to capitalize on one and not really taking into consideration the other hunter, you know, despite asking you, 
you know, if you were going to go after yeah. it, you know, so it's, well, just, and, it's and, and you say that and during the conversation with one of the guys that I had, like I said, I was very frustrated when I entered the conversation with, with both of the guys and they were separate. One was on the road and one was, I actually walked out and talked to him in the field. You know, mm-hmm. he was, he was like 150 yards from where I'd been sitting all morning and he didn't know that I was, I was leaving to check on things to try to see if I could locate the buck to try to put more of that pattern together that I talked about. But Mm -hmm. I, I, I told him, I'm like, you know, I mean, I, I would give you guys, you know, basically regardless of what side of the road I thought you were on, I would give you the whole thing just because I didn't know I wouldn't want to, to step on your toes. And, and it's just, you know, sometimes guys think it. And when, during that discussion, he said, well, these are the only antelope we've seen of this entire, stretch of 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 drainage you know i mean it, the drainage is like 20 25 miles long and it's like yeah i understand that okay so there's a lack of game because of the year we're having it's kind of an odd year um but at the same time that still doesn't make it right to disregard other hunters and kind of throw ethics out the door and, and stuff like that so i mean right. i think it's important to to put yourself in the other person's shoes you know what if yeah. he is over there what if what if you know Cause you know, if he's parked somewhere, you know, and this goes for trailheads too. I mean, or, or basins, you know, if you're dropping in from the top off a road, I mean, one basin that's 600 yards across, if a bull elk is bugling in that basin, guess what? Anybody that's in that basin can hear it. Mm-hmm. There's a high likelihood. So then that be, creates a foot race to the animal and nobody, nobody is successful. So, yeah. you know, if that's, you know, if you don't know, assume that they are, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a get there early kind of guy. So yeah, I, I won't say all the time, but most of the time I'm, I'm the first one in a particular spot because mm-hmm. I won't go over the top of people like that. And, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it happens to me almost every year and it's frustrating, but it is also part of hunting public land. So I think collectively, if everybody says, I'm going to, I want to be the difference. I want to be the one that, that maybe allows that person to do what he wants to do. And granted, you're not going to always know where somebody's at or anything like that. You're, you're going to have interactions. There's more hunters in the woods, more hunters hunting public land than there ever has been probably. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's become very popular and the information that's out there is, is really, really good. Um, but you know, communication and just you know taking the high road is is you know what what i always try to do so for sure and you know well said and you know so going back to the buck that you shot walk us through a little bit about how that all went down so it's kind of funny because um it was raining the day i shot him heavily raining so a lot of other people weren't out hunting like Mm -hmm. and it was a weird rain for august for for you know the mountains the prairie wherever you know montana in general we don't get those all day rains that time of year and Mm -hmm. um i had set some ambush locations on a fence crossing and it's kind of funny i was driving up driving down kind of checking out some stuff because i'd sat because my last confirmed location was away from the spot where this buck liked to be Mm -hmm. he was up on a dry section that didn't have any water and he always came down. He liked to, to kind of hang out in this lower section along the road. So I knew he was up in the dry section the night before I confirmed it. 
I get in the blind before light, before first light. I'm sitting there and it starts to rain like before 7 a.m. And it didn't stop raining. So I'm like, well, I'm going to wait till it slows down and then I'm going to walk back the quarter mile to my truck and have lunch. And I'm like, that's probably not a smart idea because as soon as it stops raining, they're going to be moving around. So I'm like, and I don't have rain gear. I don't have, I'm, you know, I'm ill prepared in that regard, but I'm sitting in a blind. I mean, I'm not getting wet. So, so quick question. So, I, so for, for the, uh, for the listeners, mm-hmm. so the rain typically kind of keeps them, holds them down. They, they typically will bed down I wouldn't, or what are they? I wouldn't necessarily say that. I kept trying to think of what I, what an antelope would be doing in the rain. And, and mm-hmm. obviously if you bed down, you're going to get muddy and dirty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's rained a substantial amount and I thought, oh, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think they just, you know, I think their vision might be compromised slightly because they don't have a, the brim of a hat to, to block the raindrops and they've got those giant eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. they're constantly getting hit by raindrops, they got to blink a lot more. And I think it, you know, it, it weighs on them a little bit, but, mm-hmm. and I think that might've come into my situation that where I became successful too, because of how it broke down. So, so I sat from, from before sunrise to about noon, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get some food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, I walked back to the truck. By the time I got to the truck, I was soaked. I'm like, okay, I'm going to drive up and down. And the area that I was in was all socked in. It was all foggy. So you couldn't see more than about five, 600 yards anyway. Mm-hmm. So I can't check from the normal angles where I can see most of the ground. Mm-hmm. And what I ended up doing was I drove up, you know, and it was a weekend. I got in touch with some accounts that needed some stuff. I reached back out, answered some emails, put some orders in, did some stuff. And then I, I boogied back down to the, um, to the spot where I was sitting after sitting up where I had service for a couple hours. So about two o'clock, two fifteen, I come down and I get close to the blind and then I can see little white butts on the hill about <laughs> 200 yards up from the fence crossing. And here I am in my truck. Cause the last thing I said to myself was, Ben, you're not going to shoot that antelope sitting in the truck. Right. You know, so, I mean, I mean, that's the advice I gave myself at that point in time. And I remember distinctly saying that I'm like, I'm not going to kill him sitting up here, mm-hmm. you know, working. So I'm like, I got to get back in that blind. So I went mm-hmm. down and sure enough, they were there and I kind of semi panicked. I was like, I think I said F bomb like 20 times, everything else. Mm-hmm. Like, like I pulled in my normal spot where I parked and then I, I couldn't see the antelope. So I hopped out real quick, got my bow, got everything I needed, walked across the road, dropped down to cross the fence. And I look over and I could see them. They moved up on the hill enough to where I could see them. And I'm, I'm a quarter mile from the blind. You know, Mm -hmm. it's in, in a, it's in a low spot where there's some, some cover and I brushed it in real good. And, Mm -hmm. and I just was like, Oh, and I'm like, well, let's just see what they're going to do. And it's pouring. You know, mm-hmm. no rain gear again. I'm getting wet. And they and haven't, slowly, he hasn't spotted you at this point. Well, the does, the does had, okay. I mean, it's never the buck you worry about when he's got a pot of does. I mean, it's always, yeah. the does. So, right. mm-hmm. so the does did and they, they soft bump up the hill and there's about a 60 foot hill there. And then it goes over the top to the backside of a hill where there's a big bench and mm-hmm. they slowly went up the hill and I didn't continue to move. I just kind of stayed, stayed by the road on the fence and, 
whatever. And, and you know, there's, there's cattle operations. There's always people moving around. They're moving cows They're you know, they're doing whatever. And mm -hmm. they slowly worked their way up over the hill. There were nine or 10 does and then the buck. And he went up over the hill um, after a few minutes. And then as soon as he was out of sight, I'm dropping elevation down to the blind. So I'm even cutting the angle steeper. So it's not like they're going to pop into view again. Mm -hmm. And I get down there to the blind and I'm working kind of my way into it. And I keep looking back up the ridge. Cause now I'm looking at it from a 90 degree angle different than from the road. And there's a little mm -hmm. gut that's behind the hill that I can see up. Mm -hmm. And I, I get about 20 yards from the blind and I can see an antelope head. It was dull. <laughs> I'm like, and I, I mean, after I got into the blind, I did make it into the blind without spooking her, but I, I ranged her. They were about 500 yards away, but still okay. antelope get antsy when you're that close. Yeah. You know? It's not, and you're off like a major causeway, like a road or something like that. And mm -hmm. I slowly worked my way over and back to the rain thing. I think their vision was slightly compromised when it's raining like that. Mm -hmm. And I was able to kind of just slow walk over to the blind, got behind the blind. Then I jumped into the blind and I, one of my windows is pointed right up that direction. And I'm constantly checking and glassing and that doe hadn't moved still in the same mm. spot, still looking my direction. And I'm like, well, what's she going to do? Did she see me? Is it a young doe? I'm only seeing one. The rest of them have to be there. Right. And then I look up after a minute, I, I go back to check and look up the hill. And all I see is the top of her head and her ears in the same exact spot. So she had mm. bedded down. Okay. And, and then I was like, wow, this, this might actually work. Cause I'm, I'm at the spot that they were on their way to before they went up the hill mm -hmm. and they want to come down. Cause he's been in that high spot, that high dry piece for this is going on, you know, 24 hours now he mm -hmm. wants to get back down to the low piece where he likes to be. Mm -hmm. So, and it might not be him. It might be the does that want to be down there. Right. You know, I see him, he's my target, but he's just following them around right now at this mm -hmm. point. Right. So I, I sit out in the blind, I wait two hours, literally two hours, and then they start coming down the hill. They get up out of their beds, like same exact spot she bedded down in, she stood up. And then all of a sudden I could see like three or four, three or four turned into eight or nine, and then the buck was with them and they slowly worked down and um they came to the fence, they got to the fence, um, they kind of hit the wrong spot of the fence. And then one of the more matriarchal does made it over to where the right spot was. And she went under and then her fawn went under and then another one. And I got video of the first couple coming under and I'll send you some video um, yeah. of that. And then um, one, two, three, four, the buck came through last course and, you know, with a little bit of space between him and the does. So mm -hmm. he immediately came through and my plan wasn't to shoot him at the fence crossing. I wanted him to kind of come across and offer a, a better shot because mm -hmm. I figured he'd come through because the fence crossing is pointed directly at me. So they come through and it's like a frontal shot. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to take that at 40 yards. Mm -hmm. um, so he turned after he, you know, I hit full draw as soon as he made it under the fence. As soon as I saw his head dip, I drew back. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I had placed a couple of sage bushes on the trail that they walked to get out into the open out of this little bottom. Mm -hmm. and in hopes that he would stop and maybe rub his, you know, horns or his glands to, to scent Mark that crossing a little bit. And mm -hmm. he decided to scent Mark right at the crossing. Mm -hmm. And 
he started coming across and I had to pivot. I had two windows open that were kind of facing that direction. And when I pivoted, the grass is still dry in the blind because it's, it's covered. And it mm-hmm. made a little bit of a, I tore a bunch of the grass when I pivoted on my foot and he heard that and he stopped behind oh. the only bush that was there. And these two, these two sage bushes that I have, I ranged them there at 30 yards. So I used them as range reference and also as a, as a potential place that he may stop on his own. Mm-hmm. And he stopped behind the only like little willow bush that was there. And I could see the tops of his head and he kind of started doing that. You know, if you've ever seen antelope that are nervous about something, they kind of do this little high step, like slow walk. Okay. And they're they're naturally curious. So he did that Mm -hmm. towards me and I'm like leaning out over the edge of the blind at full draw and he clears the blind and he's still doing that step. And as soon as my, and and having pre-ranged everything, as soon as my 30 hit right where it needed to, I, I cut the shot and, um, you know, looking through a small opening or window in a blind, you don't get the same perspective as you would in the open. So I didn't see the arrow flight. I'm shooting an orange fletch. So it's kind of the same color as the hair Mm -hmm. that's, you know, on their top half of their body. And I couldn't see the arrow. I heard the impact. I heard the the thwack, the expandable opening. And I thought, okay, everything sounded good, but it's pouring. And Uh. not even five seconds. I got out of the blind, walk over, found my arrow. My arrow was in the, in the dirt covered in blood, but, very quickly washing away and like the first 10 15 yards there was there was blood good blood like mm-hmm. but you could see it was diluting you know it wasn't right, like normal, yeah. normal blood spattering on something dry and then he crossed some some kind of open dirt and then up a little rise on you know across a little you know creek ditch and ran into the sage and i i walked up that hill and at this point i'm following big muddy tracks from him running Mm-hmm. And I got up to the top of that hill and I could see the does about 200 yards away. They'd made it across the sage flat. So I glassed them, didn't see the buck. And then I just started taking one or two steps and then scanning. I, I don't, I don't see blood at this point because I'm probably 45 to a minute, maybe two minutes after I made the actual shot. And mm-hmm. that blood with the rain is just dissipating so quickly. Right. Yeah. And I took about three steps into the sage flat and then he was like 30 yards not moving completely motionless dead so um and it i i pinwheeled him i mean i hit him right in the 12 if you imagine a broadside antelope like a reinhardt you know trophy buck trophy antelope yeah. mm-hmm. right at the corner of the white yeah and it exited like three ribs from the back mm-hmm. the last rib on the opposite side because he was slightly quartering two when I, when I gutted him, it would pinwheeled his first lung, the onside lung and the offside lung. It like came out the back end of the lung, never okay. popped the diaphragm or anything. So, I mean, it was, oh. it was, and they have a huge heart lung area cause they're, I mean, they're, a, they're runners, man. They're right. They're yeah. Stars. So, um, and he went, you know, maybe 50 yards and, and there was not a lick of life kick in or anything <laughs> in him after the shot. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I shot him with that, so that cool. B3 Exodus, or no, B3 Exo 3 mm-hmm. head, three blade. It's like inch and a half diameter. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a smaller cut. It's what I killed my elk with last year with my kids. That that head is, has turned into a good head. I, I really, really like how that head works. So, 
Yeah, it looks pretty deadly. I was looking at them uh, out at the ATA show this last year, and yeah, um, Hollywood's really been kind of drooling over him too. He bounces mm-hmm. around, shoots all kinds of different broadheads, and plays around with yep. stuff. And so I'd be interested in trying that out as well. But that's uh, yeah, that picture you sent me had the had had his balls in the picture, and then the broadhead, and uh, what else was in the picture? Was it? I don't. Maybe it was your bow. I think that was I it. Remember. No, um, there was no bow in that one. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a cool, that's a really cool story. I like the way that it turned out. I mean, public land is, you know, one aspect of it. You're, you know, you're dealing with other hunters. You were able to overcome that. The, the, the rain, everything that, uh, there's a lot of things that had to come together for that to happen. And so yeah. that's a, it's, it's a really cool story. And then for it to be the buck that you've been watching all this time and, yeah, uh, you know, it's just so exciting. And, and when you sent me that picture, I was like, check this out, honey. And I showed my wife right away and she was like, Oh, cool. And I was like, I don't think you quite understand the gravity of what's going on here. (laughs) Well, an antelope are one of those things where like, you know, five inches is like 50 inches on a deer. You know what I mean? Like uh, a 65 inch buck and a 75 inch buck, the 10 inch difference is is like a hundred and hundred inch deer and, and like a 160 inch deer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big difference. So yeah. there's not a lot of, a lot of ways to get an antelope to, to, to score big. And I mean, like mountain goats, I mean, like a, it's inches separate Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young and you know, where it's, it's a lot more in other species. So, right. Right. And, and honestly, I mean, I think I've said this before, antelope are my favorite to eat. Yeah. Like, they are absolutely the best in my eyes from what I can hunt in Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I really enjoy elk too, but mm-hmm. antelope just, just takes it for me. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. And, and my wife and kids are the same way. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And, and I, um, I, I think I'm, I know I've had it before, but I think it was like, I think I had it at a wild game feed and it was like pulled. So it was like oh, okay. an old antelope, you know, barbecue style. I sure. don't know if I've ever had just like a straight steak or a backstrap or anything yeah. like that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, if, you know, if you're telling me it's good, that makes, now it makes me really want to um, get out there and antelope hunt one of these days. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, maybe something that we have to talk about maybe one of these days, especially like more recently now um, with, with getting the last episode with you on, with getting photos and all that kind of stuff into the video portion of that. I've been kind of taking this walk down memory lane cause I've got all the pictures pretty well organized, like in a nice folder, but I always have a hard time finding it. So I finally, I found it this morning and I've got all the pictures from 2006, 2007. Uh, oh, there's, no there's, a, there's a gap. I don't have anything for 2008. So I wonder maybe we didn't hunt that year or something. I can't remember. And then I've got, uh, you know, you know, a couple more years after that. And so just going down this whole memory lane, it's like, man, I, I miss that. We had a lot of fun out there hunting. So we definitely got to try to, um, set up a hunt one of these days. But that being said, going down memory lane and looking at all these photos, uh, it helped me kind of, uh, realize a couple corrections that I have to make from the previous episode. There was a few holes in, in our story. And I just want to take a second to, uh, correct and clarify those. So, 
I started working at Sportsman's Warehouse in the Fargo location, and I wanted to give credit to, um, and I, I'm pretty sure you know both of these guys, but Eric Dunrude and Dave McMillan, because uh, they kind of, Eric really kind of uh, first got me into like serious into getting back into wanting to bow hunt again and then kind of kind of showing me a few things here and there and then dave had gone on a lot of hunts out west and so i had had a lot of conversations with him about that and then you know i was only there for i don't even think a year and then that's when i uh, moved down to uh, the minneapolis area and started working at coon rapids and then that's where um basically those guys planted the seed and then you just watered it so um and I did verify that uh, it was 2006. That was the first year that you and I went out. And that was, uh, I didn't have a bow with me. I didn't have a tag, but that was when I went out with you and, and just kind of tagged along and, and you kind of showed me the ropes. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait so till the next year. So the first year we hunted together, did I come back from Montana? Because I moved out to Montana in the spring of 07. Yep, yep, you had to have. Because, uh, yeah, because that first year that we hunted together, um was 07 and that's when i shot my first buck okay um and uh so and i found that picture i found those pictures too from that first buck that i shot and then um one mistake that i made too is i said that you were with me for my first and second mule deer but it was actually my first and third because the second mule deer i shot out there was that velvet buck and that was in between i was hunting sure. went out early season with cal yeah. that year and then, so I filled my tag and then we hightailed it back to Minnesota so that we could, cause it was velvet. So we wanted to preserve the velvet. And then yep. we, we came back out and met you, uh, met you and bill. Uh, okay. So yeah. I, we hunted late that year. Yep. Yeah. So I was with you guys, but I had already filled my tag. So I was just tagging along and, and sure. I, think I had found a really cool deadhead while I was out there. So that kind of made it worth it too. But so yeah, just going down and, and just getting reacquainted with, with kind of how that all went. And then lastly, we did talk briefly about the buck that you killed out there that we named Lefty. And um, part of the reason we named him, well, we named him Lefty because he had a little a little tiny fork on the left G2. And uh, you had actually got, that was the first buck that I was within bow range of mm-hmm. uh, ever. And um, I, I screwed it up because I remember he he was in a bed and we got really close and got into a position where we were behind a tree and then basically I just stood out and drew my bow and he stood up but he was facing directly away from me and you're like shoot 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 you know you said it like I don't know you said it like five or six times and then and then finally he took off and you were like dude no why patience didn't you sh-? for anything back then you were like dude why didn't you shoot and I'm like I, I just didn't feel like I had a good shot when in all reality, it was probably, I could have made that shot happen, but either way, it, and it is kind of cool because then later on, um, I think, I don't know if it was that same ch- trip or if, if we had gone out maybe a few weeks later or something like that, but that's when that was the buck that you went way back and shot and then packed it out by yourself you know, mm-hmm. wait, wait long before Cameron Haynes was doing all that stuff. <laughs> no, I think he was doing it back then. <laughs> you know, just, um, but, uh, but yeah, so that was the only one we talked about. And so I wanted to, um, touch on some of that too, some of the success that you had out there. Um, so I wanted you to try to see if you could recall some of the bucks that you put down out there in the Western Plains while we were hunting. 
you know, I remember the ones we didn't kill, the big ones that we'd find that we wouldn't kill. That yep. uh, big boy, mm-hmm. remember big boy? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I've got some then, pictures of him in his bed. Do you? Uh, yeah. That big inline extra, and then there was that. You remember that buck that I called Sylvester? Yep. Like so. Yeah, and then, and then there, there was, was there was one that he got in a fight with that we named Dolph. Yep. Dolph Lundgren. Sly and Dolph. <laughs> yep. Um, no, man, that was that was some good times. But, man, like like you say, when you when you get have a a lot of experience doing something, and you look back at some of the stuff you did, and mm. you're like, God, I was an idiot back then, you know. <laughs> and we would never run into anybody out there. Never, right. never saw never. any other hunters. Nope. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I haven't been back to those areas for a number of years. I mean, obviously with the oil boom and everything like that, I mean, a lot of that mm-hmm. country changed. It did. Yeah, you know? it did. So, cause I got my, I drew a tag in 2019 and I went out there and I, I saw a good number of animals, but my, um, my standards were quite a bit higher at that point. And so I was really on the lookout for a good buck and yep. I finally found one, but he was, uh really hard really hard to get to uh, i had to get some permission um on private to access the area because i had to go through private to get to the area yep. that he was in and you know how that goes too you get into an area you've never explored before and it was it, it looks completely different never you what you think there. it is right yeah and i i had no chance of finding him in there <laughs> but i tried uh yeah and um you know, but like you said, and I didn't, I guess I didn't run into too many hunters, but a lot of the, a lot of the roads that we use to access got washed out, you know, so getting in there is a little more difficult and, you know, so there was a lot of that kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, I would say one, one buck in particular that was really cool was the one that you shot when your dad was right there with you. Yep. That was a cool one. And in fact, I can't, I know I have a photo of, I have photos of that, of you holding the rack of that deer. And I know there was some other ones where it's that your dad took, where it's me and you dragging the buck out and I can't find those anywhere. So I don't know if you have those, but if you have it, if you could send it to me, I'll, I'll Um, look, I've got one big, uh, like driver that I, I think I put almost all my photos in. So I'll, I'll get through that. Yeah, if you happen to if you happen to find that one, send that one over. But yeah, man, we had some good times. We got to get out and do some more hunting again. Try to see if we can't um, do something. Uh, you know, kids are getting a little bit older too, so maybe we can get them involved. I don't know. But yeah, somehow, some way, we got to make it work. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. So, so yeah, but that's all I got. You got anything else? I don't think so. No, man. It's it's always good to kind of you forget about things. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about them kind of brings back some of those, they pulls those memories out of the, the memory bank that you didn't think mm-hmm. you remembered anything about until you start mm-hmm. talking about them. And they're like, Oh yeah, they're in there still. So it's, that's cool. Yeah. And what's kind of, what's neat about it too, is I've got all this content that I've had over the years and I've never really done anything with it, you know? And you so were filming a bunch for a couple of years, weren't you? I got some film, but not a lot. Uh, Cause I was using the, that Sony, uh or not sony the canon gl8 which had tape and yeah, high eight tape or yeah whatever. and so i have 
I think I have a bunch on tape, but I don't know where those tapes are and I would have to transfer them over. And I've got some cell phone stuff, but man, back then I, I, it, the footage is awful. I mean, especially in low light, you know, a lot of that footage is pretty much worthless, but, uh, but either way, what, what excites me is getting this stuff kind of in a, like collaborated into like a video, right. That we can just access yeah. at any time instead of having to, cause I always have to dig through, you know, four or five external hard drives to find the stuff. And even though I have it organized, there's just so much content. It's hard. It's still difficult to find everything. So it'd be yeah. kind of cool to have it all in, in one place. So looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, if that's it, I, I guess, you know, that brings us to the end of this episode. You can find us at the range podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me Ricky.wayne 80 on IG and Ricky W. Bruley on Facebook. And of course, like we said before with Ben, good luck. He's a, he's a mystery. You might be able to, you know, if you're those two guys that are, um, I mean, I'm on there, but I'm not on there. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, I know you probably, I know you go on there and look at stuff and whatever. And, and that's, it's, it's cool. It's, you know, totally understand it. And, um, but yeah, you can, you can look him up. It's just my full name, Ben Gatormson. At Ben Gatormson on Instagram. Yeah. And I, you're probably on Facebook too, but, uh, you know, feel free to look him up if you want. And, um, again, please be sure to head over to the Vapor Trail YouTube page, uh, subscribe, like, uh, ding the bell for the notifications and, uh, you know, just give us some feedback, give us some comments, whatever you think. Um, if there's any, any, anything you want to see or want to hear about. And once again, big thanks Ben for taking the time out of your day. Happy to see that you're happy to see that you're in the home office now. And, uh, you know, you'll be chowing down on some antelope and I suppose probably getting ready for, uh, hunting elk here pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. A little less than seven days for opener. Awesome. Well, thanks again for the cool story. Um, appreciate all that. It's, just an, it's an awesome story, so I can't wait to get it out there. And with that, we're going to pack up our bows and arrows, and we're going to leave the range. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks, Rick. See ya. Vapor Trail is now offering an exclusive discount to the range podcast listeners. Enter promo code TRP15, that's TRP15, at checkout for 15% off VTX bowstrings and Vapor Trail and Stokerize branded t shirts, hats, and other gear. Oh, heard it. Nice shot. Oh, what in the hell went flying? I think, I think he cut the tube at the bottom.